Yowza, yowza. Welcome to a new episode of Curiouser and Curiouser. I'm Sarayu, and this is part two of Now Freak. Um, first of all, let me just say, I'm doing this show in the middle of the night because um, I'm actually so excited about this. I couldn't wait for tomorrow. I've actually been at a conference all day today, and I'm exhausted because it's like the second conference I've been to in two years. So it was really... Um, fun, but I also had terrible allergies. And so I came home very excited to do this show. I'd scheduled it for 10 PM tonight. Uh, cause I figured I, I want to like, this actually helps me unwind and I love it. Um, but I actually was so tired from the day and my allergies and everything that I decided to do it this evening. Also because I don't have distractions. I'm not going to have people walking through the room when I'm trying to talk to you guys. Also, I think that this is the kind of show that people, it's great to have live, but this is not really going to be a call-in show. This one is something that probably you will play when you're in your car to listen to the music um, and the commentary, hopefully. But uh, let's get started. So this is a companion episode to the Studio 54 show that we did a couple of weeks ago, honoring the 45th anniversary of the legendary nightclub Studio 54. Um, we did that because I love Studio 54 and I love disco music. Um, I should say I was not a Studio 54. I was not old enough to be there. But um, it's something that has loomed very large in my imagination. And uh, I just love the ethos and the feeling and everything that it symbolized uh, in that sort of period in time. Uh, the playfulness, the fashion, uh, the bringing together of sort of straight and gay, uptown and downtown sensibilities, black and white. I mean, it just represents everything that I think of when I think about New York and having a great time. So um, the last, this episode and the last episode are companion episodes to the original episode, which talked about the history of Studio 54 and introduced what Studio 54 was to the audience. This is about the music. So I am going to be playing music that was on the dance floor that would have been played on the dance floor of Studio 54. And you can see why it's so amazing for yourself. Um, so if you were spending a weekend there, you'd be listening to some of these songs. Um, so it's not a countdown. Um, it's basically handpicked songs, kind of a little playlist. Um, the format that I've chosen is to play the entire song or a part of a song and give you a little bit of background if warranted. Um, and um, then this way you can actually have this as a playlist with my voice over it, or you can just note down the names of the songs and the people and get a higher quality version uh, as you wish from Spotify or whatever. So um, let's get started. So I'm actually starting, um, you can probably hear why I'm seeing the background, which is how we ended the last show. I'm just playing it because um, I, we, I forgot to um, kind of add what that like YMC, the funny thing about this song is that it actually ended up being banned by the YMCA. Like they actually hated this song, this song. Um, and I think they tried to sue the village people. I mean, now they love it and they just think it's great. But at the time they were just like horrified. Um, like, why would you make a song about us like this? Uh, Cause you know, it is the young men's Christian association. 
Um, and then second, the lyrics are hilarious. Um, so they make me smile and laugh. So I'm just going to actually start a little bit of it now. So he's saying, say, young man, get yourself off the ground. You're in a new town. You don't need to be unhappy. There's a place you could go, young man. When you're short on your dough, you can stay there. And you'll find many ways to have a good time. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. And as I mentioned in the last episode, this was sort of a failed reference to cruising uh, in gay culture. So of course, nobody understood this when this song was being played. Uh, but um, they thought, oh, what a wonderful place to go and um, stay when you're down on your luck, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, so th- I think the lyrics are hilarious. You should listen to them. Um, and it's just such a great uplifting song. So I just wanted to play that. We ended our last uh, part one of uh, Now Freak with that song. Oh, and I should also mention the title of Now Freak comes from Le Freak, which is a song that is in part one, uh, Chic, Freak Out. Um, there's a part where they go now freak. And that's where you like start in my mind. That's where, that's where you would go crazy on the dance floor. Um, okay. So let's get started. Um, so the first song that we're going to play is from the disco queen, Donna Summer, who we've talked about in the last episode. Um, and the song that, um, we're going to look at is called hot stuff, which was number one on the billboard charts, 1979. Um, I remember this as a little kid on the radio, uh, especially in like the early eighties and stuff. And it was something that people would roller skate to. And, um, it was on the radio everywhere. Um, Kygo did a remix. Um, but it's one of those great summer songs. I'm going to go ahead and play it. So you would hear this at studio 54 and it is hot stuff by Donna summer.
was the late great Donna Summer. I have to also warn you, um, I will be singing along to these songs because I love, you cannot help it. Um, there's just something about these beats and that just makes you want to get up and start dancing and singing and you need to groove to it. So I literally am dancing. I, every time I hear this, I'm like singing to it. Um, it also reminds me of roller skating over the summers. I have to say that I as I said, was a little too young when this stuff came out. But I definitely remember like the thing for teenagers who you would look up to where they'd go to the roller skating rink or you would hear this blaring out of people's cars on in, during the summer. Um, it was, you know, an older kid's song. There was something really mysterious and cool about it. But this was definitely played on the radio. And I think of it as sort of a summer song. I grew up in Washington, D.C. And that's got what I kind of remember. Um, Okay, so the next song is by the mighty Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, it's called Boogie Nights. It came out in 1979. It's hilarious because I, it's, I think the harp at the beginning is like sort of, I find it very amusing, and then it goes into sort of these jazz drums. But of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire was this collective of folks, Philip Bailey, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of a big family, but there were stars that popped out. All of them are stars, but there were uh, some that kind of went on to have some significant careers like Philip Bailey and a bunch of others. Um, but Earth, Wind and Fire is just kind of one of those iconic bands. I think I promised I would not say iconic more than 500 times this this. Uh, session. So that was once, but um, it's just one of, you know, they're one of those sort of enduring bands that wherever you hear them, it puts you into a good mood and you want to get down. So I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of Boogie Nights, probably not the whole, because we have about 12 songs. Uh, it is the middle of the night. So um, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of Boogie Nights by Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh, 
Okay, so that was about half of Boogie Nights by the mighty Earth, Wind, and Fire. I also have to um, sort of share that I've handpicked the songs that to me are so evocative of Studio 54 and what I both know and imagine to have been played on the dance floor there. So most of these songs were played on the dance floor. If um, I'm not sure if they were, I will say that. Most of them had, uh, you know, were spun by a DJ. So this was the Earth, Wind, and Fire, um, and uh, it was Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Boogie Nights is the name of the song. Um, and as I mentioned, I'm handpicking songs that to me represent, give me a lot of joy and represent the disco era. I should also say that this makes a great playlist for exercising or running, or as I said, just walking down the street. Um, or for your party, your next Studio 54 themed party, which I know you're going to invite me to, right? Right. Okay. Now the next song is one of those songs that I'm not sure was played on the floor of Studio 54. And when I say that, Studio 54 had a very short life, right? It was just about three years, a little under three years. And it closed um, in about like February 2nd or 3rd of 1980. This song came out in 1980. So it may have been played on the floor, but if not, I'm sure it was played in, you know, Studio 54 ended up opening up again under different management, but it never achieved the fame or the ambiance or the energy that the first three years had under Steve, the magic, you know, the magical times under Ian uh, Schrager and Steve Rubel. Um, and so I included this though, because it is, this is the second time I'm using the word, an iconic song. Um, and if you've ever been to a wedding or a birthday or a bar mitzvah or freaking any celebration, uh, this song has been played and you are probably sick of it, but you probably also love it. And ironically, the name of this song is also Celebration and it's by Cool and the Gang. Um, there are lots of different musical styles you can hear in this song. There's a harp, there's a little jazz, and it reflects sort of Earth, Wind, and Fire's um, style as a group. They were so eclectic and were a little bit of everything. Um, 
of course, uh, you know, they won so many, you know, multiple Grammys, multiple music awards. Um, this, um, oh, sorry. I am actually, um, now talking about Cool and the Gang. I, I got a little confused because we were coming out of Boogie Nights, but a celebration by Cool and the Gang, which we're going to play next, um, actually uh, ended up going on to win two Grammys. It won 17 uh, musical, uh, music, American Music Awards. Uh, as I mentioned, um, can't quite vouch for the fact that it was played during the original Studio 54 because it did come out in 1980 and Studio 54 as we know it, uh, without Steve and Ian, who are really sort of the secret sauce, closed in early February. Although it was, I think, run for a little bit while they were in jail, but I don't think it was the same. And certainly the celebrity clientele, which kind of put it on the map, did not show up. So we're going to play a little bit of Celebration because it's so, here's number three, iconic. Um, but this was Cool and the Gang's only single to reach number one. Um, and it's just one of those songs that you, you know, you hear every so I think it's uh, worthy of getting an honorable mention. So a little bit of celebration by Cool and the Gang. So that was Celebration by Cool and the Gang, as I mentioned. Um, not exactly sure that it actually was played on the floor of Studio 54 because it was released the year that Studio closed. 
um, in the incarnation that were interested in it at its height. So it might have been played afterwards when Stephen and Will were in jail or under other management. Um, or maybe it did sneak in before they, you know, ended up closing it down, but I doubt it. But it gets an honorable mention and just because you have heard it at every freaking celebration that you've ever been to. Okay. Now the next song is really interesting because you don't think of it as a disco song and you don't think of this band as particularly disco. Um, but it was a song that, um, you know, I remember this song being all over the radio and my friends listening to this as a little kid, but, um, it's not something that you associate with the disco era. Um, although they were at studio 54. Um, so the group is Blondie and the song is heart of glass. And, um, you know, Blondie is really more associated strangely, um, with the punk scene and the new wave scene that came out of New York. But this particular song became a hit on the disco floor and it certainly had more of a disco flavor. Blondie loved disco. And so, um, and they covered famous disco songs like I Feel Love. Um, and because they decided to do this song that had a distinctly different sound from the music that they were already producing, um, they were sort of, hated on uh, for kind of diverging from their new wave kind of punk roots, but they loved it enough that they went ahead and played it. And it really kind of what made them sort of national. Um, the video for this song is really interesting. Um, they barely are barely moving and they claim it's because they were asked not to move. So the one thing that kind of like sort of step stands out is like, they're just all kind of standing there singing, but there are opening shots at the beginning. And there is a shot of 54 of people outside of 54 in the video. I think they're showing different nightclubs, um, many of them that don't exist anymore from New York at that time. Um, so um, it is, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like, playing homage to sort of all of the places that inspired them. Um, but, you know, just to go back to Blondie, I mean, Blondie really came out of sort of the punk scene and they were more down at CBGB's in Max's Kansas city. And so they came up with the Ramones and, um, you know, it's interesting because they got so much backlash um, for this at the time. And then it went on to become, you know, one of their most, um, this is the fourth time I'm going to say this word, iconic songs. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I grew up in the hardcore scene of Washington, D.C. So I grew up sort of with punk rock and we're going to do a show on that. Grew up listening to Bad Brains, going to their shows and sneaking into their shows at 13, 14 and 15. I was a very bad kid, but uh, Scream, um, actually not so bad. We weren't doing anything bad, like no drinking, no drugs, just going to music. But that was probably scary enough for my parents. Um, but um, and going to the worst parts of town to go visit, you know, these punk rock clubs to go see Bad Brains, Marginal Man, King Face, Scream, Rites of Spring, um, and all of these sort of bands that uh, really kind of paved the way for uh, so much music afterwards. Um, so of course, when I got a little bit older, I went to school in New York City uh, at the time of CBGBs when it existed, I did go down there to go see shows like Corrosion of Conformity. And I did have a chance um, to meet Hilly Crystal, who was the legendary owner of CBGBs. And it was the most punk thing. Um, I used to be a model and 
ironically, I went down there not to go see a show when I met Hilly, but I went down there for a casting that was happening. Um, and so I remember this so clearly. I went down with my boyfriend. He was in another, he's, I think he went to run an errand and he said he would pick me up in 30 minutes. And so I was waiting to get interviewed and to walk, um, and for the, for the go see, for the modeling, uh, casting. And Hilly Crystal was sitting there and we started talking and I realized he was the owner and I started telling him I came out of the DC hardcore scene. I know I don't look like it, but and we had this wonderful conversation. And the entire time we were there together, there was a fly on his face that he did not swat away, which I thought was the most goddamn punk thing I had ever seen in my life. This was like in the early nineties. I remember it was after I graduated from college. So, um, uh, like 93 or something, 94, but it was um, hilarious. He was the nicest man. He just kind of was sitting in his chair, slouched, watching all of these models walking in. We just had this brilliant conversation about punk rock and how I used to come down there, you know, from Columbia and go see punk shows and they go all the way back uptown. And, uh, you know, what, what, a, what an amazing experience that was. It was really great to meet that man. And he's a legend himself and an icon himself. So anyway, so Blondie was playing in places like CBGB's. In fact, they are sort of inextricably linked with that punk club. But um, this song was played on the floor of 64. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play Heart of Glass by Blondie. Um, and here we go.
So a surprising entrant on our list of songs that were played on the dance floor of Studio 54, Blondie. Um, I should actually, I, well, first of all, I need to back up and say that um, you may hear me singing on these. And unfortunately, that's going to be a side effect of like having to look, you're going to have to listen to me sing, you know, the lyrics, which are probably wrong. Um, but you can't help it. That's the thing about disco music. You want to sing, you want to dance. Um, it just, it gets into your blood. Um so I mentioned that, you know, Blondie is much more, you know, associated with, um, it is new wave and punk. Um, but, um, interestingly, Debbie Harry, the lead, lead singer of Blondie was often at Studio 54. There are lots of pictures of her famous, there are famous shots of her with Andy Warhol wearing sunglasses and hanging out with Halston. So she was definitely hanging out there. Um, this song was played. Um, and, uh, there's also a lovely little quote in our first episode, uh, which is, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, in honor of Studio 54, we actually talk about the club. Um, there's, I've got a little clip of her talking about why it's such a great place. Um, you know, that there's this wonderful mix of people and it's this wonderful salad. And she talks about it being a very curious place. So, um, you can check her out, um, in that first episode, the non-music episode. Okay. So the next song that you might've heard on the dance floor of Studio 54, um, is a song that you basically, it's one of those songs that you lose yourself in on the dance floor. It's ethereal. It transports you to somewhere else. Um, and it's considered one of the greatest, uh, sort of, it's made every 
critics list that you can think of. It's been covered by so many artists. Um, if the word iconic that I've overused can be applied to anything, this is one of those songs. It was done on a 16 track recorder. It's become a queer anthem. Um, and it just considered like this huge song. Now, um, I first really got into it because it was covered by a group called Bronsky Beat. Um, and this was in the early mid eighties. It was on a tape that I had. Yes, there were because I grew up listening to cassette tapes, um, called Age of Consent. Um, and Bronsky Beat was, of course, um, gay and they, you know, there were all of these songs like Small Town Boy. Um, and this song, uh, and a few others, which I used to listen to all the time, uh, along with all the punk rock that I would listen to. So I love this song and I really, um, came to know this song through the Bronsky beat cover. And then I much later found out that it was actually a Donna summer song. Um, and it's called, I feel love, but this was a song that I just, you know, loved. Um, and I love the Bronsky beat version. I love the Donna summer version, but that just goes to show you that, you know, even though it wasn't my generation that it came out in, I came to love this song by a remake. And so, so many people have remade this song. It has influenced everybody from Blondie to David Bowie to Brian Eno. Um, and it's just one of those songs that just became an anthem. I was a queer anthem. It, it's just, you just listen to the song and you'll understand you lose yourself in the song. So this is the um, 12 version. It is a bit longer. I'll try to play it out. If it starts to feel like it's dragging on, I'll move on. But um, this is I Feel Love by Donna Summer, the queen of disco. Thank you. 
How do you not float away on that song? I mean, just close your eyes and just, you're like, your chest, you're, you're just open to the heavens and like lift me, be me up, Scotty. I mean, so ethereal. I just, I can't, that song just takes me to a different place. Um, and I hope it does for you too. And the Bronski beat version isn't bad. So listen to that. So, um, the next song, um, is again by the mighty earth, wind and fire. It's called Boogie Wonderland. I don't have very much to add, uh, about it. Um, but I'm just gonna go ahead and play a little bit of it because they show up on this list multiple times. Um, you know, they are kind of a mix of so many different things and we're so, loomed very large in the disco era. So let's hear a little bit of Boogie Wonderland um, and uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. Here we go. Thank you. 
Is Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, now, the next song um, is a song called Turn the Beat Around by Vicki Sue Robinson. And you definitely would have heard this on the Dance Floor Studio 54. Uh, Vicki is, you know, she was a half black, half white actress, singer, performer. Um, and this particular song um, was such a smash. It's funny because the producers really didn't like it very much. Um, but it end up, ended up going on to becoming something so big that uh, Laura Branigan, I think, did a uh, version of it. And then, of course, Gloria Estevan, in, I think in the 1990s, remade it um, with a little bit of a Latin sort of flavor. And so it kind of revived the song. But it was originally a disco song that was played on the floor of 54. Um, Laura Branigan, of course, is the American singer. I mean, the reason I know her is because my father, one tape that he used to listen to in the car was a tape, I think it was called Branigan, uh, by Laura Branigan. So that's why I know who she is. Anyway, um, sadly, Vicki C. Robinson passed away uh, in 2000. But this song is a wonderful reminder of her talent and it's her legacy. Um, and so... Next, we're going to listen to Turn the Beat Around uh, by Vicki Sue Robinson. Turn the beat around 
Okay, so that was Vicki Sue Robinson, Turn the Beat Around. And when you're listening to it, you can see why Gloria Estefan was attracted to this song and wanted to remake it. Um, there's like obviously a, you know, a, a Latin sounding influence in the middle of the song, um, but it was a disco song first. Okay, so the next song is really interesting. Um, it's a song called Rasputin by Boney M, uh, which is I think Wikipedia calls them a Euro-Caribbean group. Um, they were actually created by a German producer. Um, and then the singers um, all came from various places in the Caribbean. Um, and they had a couple of different, um, they had a few, a handful of hits. And Rasputin is one of these really interesting songs. Um because of, um, it tells a story. So when you're listening, it's not only like fun to dance to and listen to, if you listen to the lyrics, they're actually telling you a story about this actual historical person named Rasputin. Um, Rasputin was a mystic. He was a seer. He was a healer, um, a soothsayer in Russia. And he was born in Siberia and uh, he became the... Uh, uh, sort of the confidant of the Tsarina in the court of Nicholas II. So uh, Tsar Nicholas II, his wife, uh, really kind of took to Rasputin this mystic, and he was sort of a self-proclaimed mystic and holy man. And the reason why he, uh, you know, en enraptured the Tsarina, the you know, essentially the queen, Alexandra, was because she had a sixth son. He was a hemophiliac, and he basically said, I can heal 
him. And so he had already kind of become a figure. We had these people around him that were thinking of him like as a guru and very mystical and holy. And so he started to wield this disproportionate influence over the Tsarina and the royal family um, and really kind of became a, their personal healer and a personal favorite. And that ended up creating a lot of jealousy. There were rumors about him that he was misusing his power. You know, he was a very um, sort of imposing figure. He was born in Siberia, um, came out of nowhere, you know, out of a village in Siberia, you know, was sort of this visionary. And uh, half the people thought of him as sort of this mystic and holy man. Half the people at court thought he was a charlatan. And he ended up getting assassinated uh, by Russian nobles who just felt like he had this Siberian peasant, you know, had visions and had come to St. Petersburg from Siberia, ended up having too much power. So he was assassinated. Um, and he was this larger than life figure. And the way that he was assassinated is fascinating. Um, he was invited to dinner. I think the noble that uh, apparently I think his last name was Yusupova um, invited him to dinner and they poisoned him by giving him like uh, poisoned petit fours and cakes and then poisoned wine. Rasputin was supposedly a very big man and it didn't kill him. And so they were like, oh no, <laughs> like this guy refuses to die. And then they shot him and apparently he didn't die. He got up and started fighting them. And uh, then I think tried to escape and then they ran out and shot him again um, and finally killed him that way. Um, but it really took a lot to bring him down, which must have been sort of terrifying when you think that he's a mystic and close to the queen. But, um, you know, he did end up uh, being assassinated and um, uh, that's how he went down. So it's this extraordinary sort of like, you know, story of how, uh, somebody comes out of nowhere and ends up being kind of this Fengal, you know, this this sort of mystic figure that ends up exerting this huge control over people that have a lot of control over the rest of the country. So the song is about this figure. Um, and it's a great, you know, it's really interesting because um, Boney M, uh, the group, really never had a huge impact in the U.S., I actually heard about them when I was living abroad and they were huge in Asia and Europe. And part of the reason for that is because they're, they're not as well known and you'll hear the song is really catchy. Um, and they were really great singers. And even though it was sort of, we would think of it as a manufactured group, it's, they're still really great. Um, but the reason why, you know, one of the theories that they didn't make it so big in the United States is, um, you know, that their back catalog, um, the seven and 12 inch finals, um, you know, were never commercially available after sort of the disco era. They were never put on CD until like 2007. And then when they were, it was sort of a compilation. So they didn't make it out of that kind of very narrow, um, you know, very narrow sort of hallway where they were kind of really big in Europe and in Asia, um, were kind of big in the disco era, but because they were not available, never really sort of persisted and came down to us as kind of like many of these other songs, which we think of and that are used in movies and, and that we hear on dance floors and at weddings and that we think of, and we, you know, you know, these songs. So this may be unfamiliar, but nevertheless, it's a phenomenal song. This is also a really great story. I think about life, but also about music. 
you know, of the twists and turns and the collaborations and the accidents that have to happen to create great art and also great business and great, you know, personal relationships um, that people come together, they fall apart, they disappear, they reappear, you know, they're put together by somebody. Um, they end up making incredible art, but it doesn't last or it, it doesn't have the influence, things that didn't happen to make it to America the way that it made it in Europe and Asia. So um, really, really sort of interesting tale. Um, and what we get out of that is these gems that have remained with us today that are mined from all of this chaos. So um, I'm going to play Boney M, Rasputin, um, you should absolutely listen really hard to the lyrics too. You should dance to it once and then you should listen to the lyrics because it tells the story in a wonderful way. So Rasputin by Boney M. Thank you. 
It's so beautiful, this historical song that is sung by Caribbeans, put together by a German about a Russian, a real historical figure, a Russian mystic that somehow makes it to the dance floors of coke-fueled, gay, black, celebrity-fueled New York City disco culture of the late 70s, early 80s. I mean, it's incredible. What a world we live in, right? What a world. Um, I get goose pimples when I'm listening to that. I'm thinking about the history and, you know, how it's traveled. So the other thing is you'll hear the little Russian influences um, and also that, um, you know, the, there's a line about he was rumored to be the Russian queen's lover. That was actually true. People thought that maybe he had taken lovers and he was accused of all sorts of misconduct, but they thought that maybe he was also the lover of the Russian queen. And that was also probably what got the nobles to get upset. So that was Rasputin by Boney M. Now the next song is that you might have heard uh, on the dance floor at Studio 54 is a song called Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um, it This particular song became famous uh, from the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Um, I'm going to play it. We've got a few more. We've got about 12 songs altogether. So we've got three or four more to go after this. So I'm going to play a little bit of this um, and then we're going to move on to the next. But this is Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> Thank you. 
actually just went ahead and listened to the whole song because it's really one of the shorter songs uh, that I've come across. But um, it is um, Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Now, the next song, uh, we are back again at the Mighty Earth, Wind and Fire. It's a song called September. Um, and it is one of their biggest hits. It made it to number one. It's still popular today. It's had a massive cultural impact as have Earth, Wind and Fire. As I'd mentioned, Maurice White, Philip Bailey were some of the standouts that came out of that big collective, right? There were so many prominent members. It was just sort of kind of a moving, almost like a revolving door in the number of talents that they had. Uh, and I think they're still going. So this song, I think, came out in 1978. Earth, Wind and Fire, of course, spanned all these different genres, members and eras, six Grammys. Uh, they had 17 nominations, four American Music, uh, American Music Awards, really one of the greatest bands of all times. Um, I will say, you know, I have a lot of vinyl and um, a lot of it is on my wall. It's like my old punk rock records and, you know, Beatle records and stuff like that. But I also have a hilarious, I think it's the album I Am, Earth, Wind & Fire, which when you open up the fold, it's like all of them. It's like a, a pic, not a photograph, but a depiction of them, like a painting of them in front of like a pyramid with the eye. It's really funny and it's very 70s and 80s. So I have that framed and I'm just, it, I crack up every time I see it. But um, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Love was changing the mind after 
had to play that one through. I mean, um, the voices of Philip Bailey, I mean, it's like mastery. Just hearing it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a different experience. I mean, Earth, Wind and Fire, what a phenomenal American contribution to music. Um, love it. Okay. So there's three more songs um, that they would have played on the Studio 54 dance floor, and they are all amazing. They're all women. Um, you're going to know some of them. Um, <clears throat> and the first one is called Got to Be Real, and it's by a singer named Cheryl Lynn. Um, she, this was actually composed, interestingly, by a man named David Paik or Patch or Pike, I think that is his last name, P-A-I-C-H, who is from Toto, another great group um, of the 70s. Um, they're responsible for, uh, you know, the song Africa and Hold the Line. <clears throat> and they had phenomenal uh, session players in that band. Um, but also David Foster. So um, they uh, composed this song along with Cheryl Lynn, it is sort of the epitome of disco. She was sort of an R&B and disco. She's considered an R&B disco singer. But when you hear this, you see people getting down on the floor of Studio 54. So let's, um, without further ado, listen to Got To Be Real by Cheryl Lynn. Yeah. Ooh. 
brilliant. And it's so weird to think that Toto and David Foster were involved in writing that song. Okay, so we have two more songs. The next song is a, wow, how do I even put this? It's won a Grammy. Um, it has a very interesting backstory. Every woman knows this song. Every gay man knows this song. It is a anthem. When it comes on, you have no choice but to run out onto the dance floor even if you're in a good relationship and sing and mime and act out every line in this song, it's a rule. No one can like not do it. Um, really interesting backstory to this song, even though it's like sold 14 million copies, it's considered one of the best disco songs of all time. It actually almost didn't make it out onto the floor. Um, it was originally um, a song that, um, it, you know, it, it caught on because a couple of different reasons. Um, number one, it was given to a bunch of DJs and there was a DJ in Boston. I think his name was King that actually played it multiple times because he was like, why is this on a B side? It was first put on a B side. The record company wouldn't put it on the A side. Um, you know, records, they have an A side and a B side and the A side takes precedence of the B side. So the B side's like supposed to support the A side. And he heard it and he was like, this is an A side record. And so he just played it like a hundred times in a row and people in Boston um, went crazy. Um, and so he was sort of instrumental in getting this out there. Um, and also she loved the song so much, even that her producers were just kind of like, yeah, this isn't a hit. She took it to 54 because remember, these are all songs that are played on the floor of 54 and handed it to the DJ there and they played it and the dance floor went crazy. And if you know anything about New York, they don't just accept stuff like that. And she actually says, you know, the whole floor went nuts and we knew this was going to be a hit. If you haven't guessed what the song is, um, it is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. It is an empowerment anthem. Every gay man I know will run out on the dance floor and sing this to their non-existent relationship, as will every girl. Like, even if you're in a happy relationship, you're, like, telling them off and, like, acting this out in real time on the dance floor. Um, it is the most amazing song. Everybody still knows it today. Uh, Gloria Gaynor is known for her disco hits. She also actually sang this live at Studio 54, and she talks about looking out into the crowd and seeing you know, people like just going crazy dancing over this. So it was a huge song for her. Um, you know, she sings it with so much feeling because she had had some issues. And so that's why when she sings it, it's like, oh my God, this is really like, I feel this in my bones. It's very dramatic. It's about getting up again. It's a, so universal. We can all relate to this. So without further ado, Let's listen to that disco hit, I Will Survive, by the great Gloria Gaynor. Just 
If you're a woman or a gay man, you can't help but sing this, um, and uh, even if it's the wrong lyrics. Okay, that was Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. We have one more song left, um, and before I play that, I just wanted to um, share a little bit about this show, Curiouser and Curiouser. Um, it is a variety show, and we're going to do... Um, we're going to talk about lots of different things. I'm a venture capitalist. Uh, I've been a founder, a longtime technology executive, but I'm also, you know, I'm an artist. I love dancing. I'm creative. I'm an actress. All those things that VCs are not supposed to be. So um, this is actually just a show about anything I'm interested in, basically. Um, and I love disco. Um, and this actually gives me a chance to be super creative. And uh, you see the other side of me that's not talking term sheets and, uh, um, anti-dilution protection. Uh, but anyway, this, um, this particular episode is about the music of Studio 54. I love the disco area. I'm obsessed with Studio 54. I'm obsessed with what they wore, the music, um, you know, Steve and Ian, uh, all of it. So these are, we did a, a show about the history of the club because it was the 45th anniversary about a week ago. Um, and then I put together a, uh, 
little playlist of the music that you would have heard. Uh, the first part of that was a few days ago. This is the second part. So um, I didn't do it as a full playlist because I figured um, the quality probably. This is more like a little bit of history, you know, the name of the song, you know, the name of the person, and then you can go create your own playlist, um, you know, much higher quality and, and uh, you can figure out, you know, what order you want it in, whatever, because it's a great um, playlist to walk down the street. So I did it this morning. I was at a conference and I was like laughing and smiling all the way down there like a goon. Um, and uh, you can also work out to it, run to it, um, use it for your party. So this is to give you kind of pieces. It's a modular uh, system. You can pick and choose what you want on your disco playlist. All right. So this show we usually do at Wednesday on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. EST. But I think as we move forward, um, it is going to be, you know, when I'm actually able to do them. Um, I'm doing this one in the middle of the night uh, and not at a scheduled time because I just have too much disturbance uh, when I do it during uh, the time that we have scheduled uh, these days. So um, and I just really wanted to do the second part because I love the music and I was listening to it all day. OK, so we hope to see you Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our next show. Um, as I'm of things. It's a variety show. So it's interviews uh, with business leaders, scientists, actors, activists. It's going to be music. Um, I am going to do a show about punk rock. As I mentioned, I grew up in the hardcore scene where so many seminal bands came out of. I saw them all live as a little kid, uh, almost little kid as a preteen at the original DC Space and the 930 Club. And um, you know, all these bands that have gone on to influence like so many important movements. Um, so uh, we will do that at some point. Now, let's, without further ado, get to our last song, uh, which is Thelma Houston's Don't Leave Me This Way, also an anthem. So these last three songs that were sung by women of, you know, queens of the disco era um, are kind of anthems. Um, they mean things to people. The lyrics are so deep. This ended up winning a Grammy for the best R&B female vocalist. Um, it also, uh, you know, has become sort of this gay anthem around because of AIDS. So in the 80s and 90s, Don't Leave Me This Way was something that was just associated with that entire scene. It's very um, also iconic. I only said that like less than 10 times this show. So I'm very proud of myself. But um, it is really kind of whenever I think of it, I absolutely think of 54. I definitely think of New York City gay culture, um, which was, you know, just so, I mean, I remember going to gay clubs in the 90s. It was very different going to AIDS dances, um, you know, to raise money for AIDS uh, with my gay friends. Um, and it was just, this is very evocative for me of that time. So um, it's certainly, you know, a a song that takes you back to that time. And I, I'm talking about the 90s. I mean, this, this song is really 70s and 80s, but it really continued to take on sort of a, uh, a meaning for folks because of the lyrics and the song and also because it was connected back to disco. So our last song is Thelma Houston's Don't Leave Me This Way that you would have heard on the floor of Studio 54. Uh, when it ends, we will end the show. But I hope that you're going to enjoy listening to this. If you do, please go ahead and do whatever it is that you can do, like like or, you know, subscribe or send me a note. Um, as I mentioned, we will be doing one sort of reviewing punk rock. 
um, and maybe some other genres um, and eras and, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll just do a, a song about like summer songs or things like that, but, and we'll do, and we'll make it call in and interactive next time. This time I just wanted to like pick songs and, and put them out there, uh, the best of the best, according to me, um, and put them out there so that you guys could have something to refer to, but, uh, we will do lots of different variations. All right. So Thelma Houston, don't lead me this way. I will look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday at 8 PM Eastern standard time, if not before, and uh, get out on the dance floor. Yowza, yowza, yowza.